As an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, how can you ensure the success of your business and your quality of life? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. This program will help you to identify and make necessary changes in your life and your business. You'll find the challenges that you're facing and solutions in the examples of lifelong business owners who have entrepreneurship in their DNA. You'll also learn from experts who've transformed their mindset and skills to become industry leaders. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by the inspirational Linda Carey, who is the president of the Carey Foundation and the co-creator of the Tutu Project, which is a campaign of the Carey Foundation. Linda, it's such a treat and an honor to welcome you to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be speaking with you. Well, I'm excited to hear more about the Carey Foundation and also how both the foundation and the Tutu Project came to be. Bob, my husband, is a commercial and fine art photographer. I'm his producer, so we've been working together over 20 years. We have a commercial photography business, and we were approached by Ballet Arizona to translate what ballet meant to Bob. And we tried some really stale ways of doing it. It's like, you know, this doesn't feel like us. So he said, you know, I'm just going to get a tutu made and I'm going to take a picture. He had this beautiful series of black and white images that he was working on. And he used that same type of work. And it was a beautiful black and white image. And he said, you know, I don't really have a focus of what I want to do, but his work is about transformation. And he says, I have this great pink tutu. I'm going to put it into the van. At that point, we were moving from Phoenix to Brooklyn. And he said, and maybe something will happen. So on the way across the country, Bob took one shot. He really had no idea where that was going. And then over the summer, he took a few other shots because it was really crazy to move from Phoenix to a place like Brooklyn. Everything was so very different. And while I wasn't diagnosed with breast cancer yet, it still, I don't know, it was fun. It, was, it helped him. It was like self-therapy for him. And it was fun to participate from the sidelines. So I was diagnosed at that point, eight months after we moved, and things shifted a great deal. That pink tutu really became symbolic in many ways. Again, it continued to be self-therapy for Bob, but it also gave us something to focus on besides my cancer. I was diagnosed with an aggressive form of breast cancer, and this was before a lot of social media. That My first diagnosis was 15 years ago. Social media was just starting to get picked up. So there were fewer conversations. So this pink tutu, I I just realized this now, it sort of filled that gap. I might have gotten support from the breast cancer community, but this tutu, it just, I don't know, it might sound really wild, but it really became a great support. So here it is, eight months later, uh, diagnosed. We have our own business and we were just beginning to build it again in New York. And that was really hard. So it's like, what do you do? You know, you don't have, both of us are self-employed. What do we do financially? So Bob called clients up from Phoenix and we have a very, very supportive community in Phoenix. And they said, just come back. Bob said, I can get back there. I have buddy passes from a brother-in-law. Just treat me still as a local photographer and don't think of me as a New York photographer. So the whole first year of my treatment, Bob was going back and forth to Phoenix the first four main treatments I had, I don't think he was there for it. I had family in that stepped up. 
so here he is going back and forth and not able to be with me with treatment, but he had this pink tutu. And how much fun was it to hear stories? He said, you know, I, I went up to the Grand Canyon today and I took this beautiful picture and we talk about the story and it brought levity into our life when it was, it was just really scary. I mean, anybody who was diagnosed with breast cancer or cancer or who've had a family member, which is the majority of people out there know what hearing those words is like. And I was by myself a lot. I mean, I had support, but we had a handful of friends in New York. I don't know, the tutu was just, I haven't really thought about it this way before, but it was a symbol of, ironically, it was pink and that had nothing to do with breast cancer. It just sort of worked out that way. It just filled, filled a hole, something that was missing. And it made Bob and I laugh and it was a great project. So we didn't have a direction at all. It was really just for Bob to take pictures. He had a gallery show with the images. And then 18 months after I finished my first round of treatment, I was diagnosed again. Breast cancer had moved to my liver. And things really changed. Living with the words metastatic disease, first, it's like, what does that mean? You know, does that mean I'm going to die? And I remember asking my doctor, does this mean I'm going to die? And she says, well, nobody knows that. And when I was first diagnosed, I said, when I first walked into my oncologist's office, I said, before we start, I said, don't give me numbers. I don't want to be a number. I will create my own statistics. And I still believe that today. And I know that there's fact-based science, but I just didn't want that to be the way I live my life. It sounds like, based on what you're saying in terms of your philosophy, that the tutu was really also a symbol of life. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Thank you for giving me those words. The tutu became a symbol of life. And... So being diagnosed with metastatic disease, it was crushing in so many ways because I didn't completely understand it. And I still stood by that I wasn't going to be a statistic. So I didn't even look at numbers. And I just remember the nurse practitioner who had at that point become my friend. She stopped me in the hallway. Okay, you have this very clinical setting at the cancer center. And very matter of fact, she said, Linda, you can't be in the support group anymore. I, I knew what she meant because it was for newly diagnosed. But the way she delivered it was like, you just can't do it anymore because you're not part of that group. It just seems so harsh. It's like, oh my gosh, where do I go with this information? And where do I find my support? And again, part of it was with the tutu and, and internally also, I have always journaled and I love art. So I had that to fall back on, but it just was such a strange thing to hear that so abruptly. You can't be in that. And I understood, you know, intellectually, I got it. I was those women's worst nightmare because before I was diagnosed, any woman that was diagnosed a second time was my nightmare. So there I am back at the cancer center, trying to couple different kind of chemos to see what's going to work. Had some interesting few months on medications that didn't work. But once again, Bob was continuing to shoot. He was traveling a lot with his photography. And this is the funny part. I don't think about it because it's such a normal conversation in our life, but he would be packing and we all, we had our little system when he would get ready to go because I'm the producer and I would get all the job, the paperwork together and he would be getting his equipment together. And I'd always ask him, it's like, so do you have your pink tutu and do you have your pink shorts? Cause you wear shorts under the tutu. It was just a normal conversation that the tutu had integrated itself in our life. I would jam it into a Ziploc bag and put it in a suitcase. And I never really thought about it until later when people started asking about it. But 
it was it was great. So he was taking pictures on the road once again, sending them to me. I was in chemo, and I think at that time chemotherapy was probably three or four hours at least, and it gets boring. And so I take these pictures with me, and the emotions and the 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 humor, the isolation, really resonated with the women I was in treatment with. And I remember going home and saying, "I just had some really great conversations, Bob. These people love these images." And he said, wouldn't that be great if we could get a book of these images in every cancer center across the U.S.? And it's like, well, yeah, that would be wonderful. So we started thinking about how can we do this? And we went the traditional route. We tried many publishers. One very large publishing house picked it up. Before we had a contract, 2008, you know, the stock market crashed. And it was no longer a book that they were interested in because it it probably wasn't going to be a moneymaker the way they saw it. So we thought, okay, so what do we do? We got an agent, a literary agent, and he tried really hard, but I don't think he knew how to sell it. So we put it on the shelf, that idea anyway, and Bob continued to shoot. And he was just beginning to slow down, and we have all these beautiful images, and some friends called from Arizona. I remember this was in the beginning of probably January of 2012. And they said, listen, you guys have to try one more time. This is a great body of work. People want to see these images and they want to know how they helped the two of you cope with Linda's cancer. So we decided to start a fundraising campaign. We had no idea what we were doing. I understand commercial photography and even Bob and I never meant to work together. It was never a conversation we had. But when he started his studio... He said, I need some help for a couple months. Can you work it into your schedule? And I was able to. And then the client started coming to me. And then two years later, we're still working together. And then 10 years later, we're still working together. So how can we make this work? How can we get a book published? Because that was our idea. We get a book published and then we get them out to the cancer centers. In mid-90s, Bob had this enormous opening at ASU, Arizona State University. and he had this enormous room to fill with artwork. And he said, how am I going to do this? I don't want just, you know, 16 by 20 prints all over the wall. He said, I want to really make a splash. So he started doing his prints. They were probably 35 by 43 inches and framed. Of course, they were massive, but we needed a lot of money for this. So we sold sponsorships or what we called it. And it was a discount of a limited edition print. And with that, we raised... I would say $17,000, which was almost the entire cost of the show. So we thought, well, why don't we use that same model? And Kickstarter was just beginning, but Kickstarter, you couldn't do anything for nonprofits at that point. So it's like, well, we know how to do this. We did it once. Let's do it again. And Bob and I have, we've lived, if someone says no, it's like, okay, well, maybe no, we'll take your answer for that but we're going to try it a little different way. So it's not, we can't, we're not going to accept that. No, we're going to keep pushing. I created a mission statement. And then the more we talked about it, it's like, okay, so let's raise some money to get this book printed. And some of the proceeds from this will go to a nonprofit, which opened the conversation is what nonprofit. And as I investigated, I just wasn't sure that the money that we were going to raise was going to be spent the right way. So we said, okay, let's start a nonprofit. Neither of us knew anything about nonprofit, but you know what? I didn't know anything about photography either as far as running the business, and I learned. So I figured, okay, well, 
there's Google, there's a lot of books I can read. So we launched the project, this silly little website with this great mission statement. And within two days, New York Daily News picked it up. And then once that article was published, Yahoo put us on their homepage. And we didn't understand the impact of that. It crashed our website, which was not a big surprise because our website was not set up for a lot of people. But all of a sudden, our world just opened up. And our story about how this pink tutu helped us laugh and just have something else to focus on besides my cancer, all of a sudden the world embraced it. They loved it. Part of it was they said that it's something my husband did for me to make me laugh. And there is truth to that. Initially, that's not how it started, though. So here we are. I have all these media requests, but we didn't even know our story. I remember being on Fox News probably a week after this hit. And a friend of mine said, you looked really scared on that show. I was like, scared? I wasn't afraid. I was in front of a camera and I always had in front of cameras being married to a photographer. It's just like, I didn't have my story. I didn't know how to answer the questions because it was so new and so fast. We weren't prepared. But as time went by, we became prepared because we figured out what is this that we want to do? What it was is we were going to take a percent of the proceeds, give them to our nonprofit, and then start raising money for breast cancer. And specifically because of the financial challenges we had with my breast cancer, we wanted to help others financially and emotionally for transportation to doctor's offices, child care, lymphedema sleeves. Sometimes your arm can swell after surgery and you need this garment. So things like that. So incidental costs of cancer. Linda, it sounds like you had a lot of clarity around the mission. You had come into it with a purpose in mind. And at the same time, it's not the planning process that you oftentimes hear about entrepreneurial ventures. You looked at solving the immediate problem that was before you finding a creative solution to use what you already had, like using the photographs and putting together this book that you offered at a discount to be able to raise money to have the exhibit and then be able to raise more money for the next step. So there was a whole organic evolution that happened. And it stemmed, though, from having clarity about what your mission was and just taking it a step at a time. That's exactly right. This was all organic. I remember it was day in January. I had a very loose business plan and I was looking out my window and I was thinking, well, you know what? I have no idea what's going to happen with this. And I'm just like throwing it out the window and see what lands. The media, for three years, we had no problem with having people write stories because they were so intrigued with this man who's in a tutu. I was like, what's this about? And it was all organic media for three years, which was amazing. Bob had a friend who was a producer on the Today Show. They met at a class that Bob spoke at annually. Steve is his name. And he said, when you're ready to share the story, I'm a producer at the Today Show and I'll get you on. So here it is. We launched this book and this whole idea, this plan. And the book wasn't going to come out until October. But because of the viral nature of this project, Steve came to us and said, you know, we can't wait till October. Bob and I learned quickly, whatever's the hot story, they want to put it out there then. So they did this beautiful video. We had seven and a half minutes on the Today Show, which was incredible. I realize that now. I didn't quite understand that then. I just knew that I was going to be interviewed by Matt Lauer, and I was hoping that I had my my story straight in my head, and it was incredible. 
I have to say that was an incredible experience as, as are so many I've had with this project. You know, it's can be an unpleasant conversation sometimes or awkward or scary when you start talking about breast cancer and particularly with me with metastatic disease because death is involved in the conversation or it can be brought up. But to be on the Today Show or to meet fabulous people that are so warm, I feel so fortunate. And, you know, a lot of things are mixed up in the world right now. And I hear people say, the world is crazy and people are full of hate. And I believe that there is that out there. But I know to be true, from my experience, there are so many lovely people with great hearts because I've had the opportunity to speak with them. And the Today Show was the first part. We raised that day enough money to print our book. I don't remember how many prints we sold, 90 or more. And, and it was a discount. What people would get, this was our little package we created, is for $500, you would get a book and you would get a limited edition signed print. We lowered the cost of the print also because we wanted to make it attractive because we understood our audience was not going to be galleries. We were totally moving away from the gallery, which was hard because this was our baby and it's art, but we were going more mainstream. So we had to let go of that a little bit. But the Today Show, we raised enough money to continue with this. One of the first calls I received when we got back from the Today Show was from the senior vice president of PR at Bloomingdale's. She said, I saw you on the Today Show. I'd really like to talk to you to see if there's a way we could work. Well, what that has evolved into is a wonderful partnership, and they have supported us. They um, were part of their pink campaign every October, and they have become a major sponsor. They're definitely what has helped us grow to where we are now. I'm the only full-time employee. Bob still has his photo business, and I still help him with that. And then we have this other woman, wonderful, wonderful woman, Marcella, who helps us. So we are quite small. So your funding sources are selling copies of the book and corporate sponsorship? Yes. We also had a few other things. We had t-shirts. We had postcards. Once again, we were just trying. We are trying a few things to see like what the market would bear we're creating our demographic, basically, and what did they want? So we had a few other items. And once Bloomingdale's joined us, it's like, wow, this is really great. It's good to have individual donors, but corporate sponsorships, those dollars go so much further. Part of them wanted to use our brand, basically, for their product. And that was a whole new space of business for me. It was exciting because they wanted to be part of this project, but then I also had to temper it with, it's like, okay, so what are they really going for? Is their goal to help us raise money with this product? And is this product in line with something that we would want to do? Is this something we would sell and do we want our name on it? And it was interesting. There are a lot of really strange products. It's like, no, we can't do that. But it took a lot of learning and making a lot of mistakes you know, we were okay with that because it still continued to be successful. And then there was one point, I would say somewhere within the first year that it stopped being about Bob and I, and it really became about this community that we were building. Because people, oh, I could just tell you the, the emails that I received, and I have saved some of them. They were so heartwarming. And they would say, you know, I was in treatment and I came across your project and just the images, they just make me feel so good. And even the ones that are full of vulnerability, it's, it's how I'm feeling right now. 
it seems like you were very deliberate because you were saying even when you had options for other funding sources, you were specific about which ones of them you engaged because you wanted to ensure that you stayed true to your mission. Yes, that's exactly right. And it, it took some learning. We got involved in a couple of things. They weren't terrible, but it's just, okay, you learn that things that don't work. And we wanted to have full transparency in what we were doing because just in the very beginning when we were looking for organizations to donate to, I didn't see all that transparency. And we're very clear with what we do. We give grants to other like-minded organizations. For example, there's four Three Sisters. They're located in Maryland. They have this great Road to Resources program. And what it does, there's, there's many facets of this program, but it helps people with the multitude of paperwork. In the beginning with the diagnosis, it's so overwhelming. You have all this paperwork, you have a new language to learn. It's like, what do you do? Well, this wonderful organization helps with that. And they also find resources, financial resources. So this is all in line with our mission. And another one was Cancer Care. They helped out, as I mentioned, with transportation, child care. They did mastectomy bras, wigs. All that was really important. From my experience, I learned and I saw women struggling with getting the right wig or wearing a wig or not wearing a wig. And I just wanted to be able to help them with that decision. So in terms of how funds are used, do you generally partner with organizations whose missions are aligned with yours or do you also give to individuals or other entities or groups? The majority of our funds are granted to other organizations because we're small and we find organizations that are able to vet people because that's really important. want to make sure the money is used correctly. But we found over the years that because our bylaws are looser than what we had created as our mission, we can help individuals. What's really exciting is that a new company, Healthio 360, just gave us a grant. It will be determined by our board how that money is spent, and it will be for gas cards. It will be for food cards. And and that's kind of exciting, too, because I actually get to talk to these people. Because the the piece of this that's missing for me is the hands-on with the breast cancer community. So we raise all this money, and it goes out to people that have experienced the same thing I have. And I don't get to talk to them much. So with this new grant, it'll, I don't know, maybe things will change. I'm open to that. And what I'm seeing very clearly in your story is you're describing finding a way, finding a way as an entrepreneur to be able to integrate a personal mission based on challenging life experiences, finding a way as a couple to be able to respond to not just one situation which you had a a diagnosis, but another one that came 18 months after, and finding a way as as an individual also to respond to a health situation in which you conveyed to your doctors that you don't want to be a statistic. And so you had this symbol that the the two of you came around, which is that tutu symbolizing life and maybe symbolizing other things, but it seems like it's almost a torch that lights the way. You know, I think that's a really great description. It was just Bob's and my choice of how to deal with my cancer. And I go back to how you mentioned it was organic. We like to laugh 
and this tutu brought that in. I mean, there were a lot of other emotions because not all of Imp Bob's images are funny. It's just weird what a piece of pink tulle can do and how how can change things. I mean, even beyond Bob and I, I mean, now we have this Dare to Tutu campaign. It goes throughout the whole year, but it's, October is one of our biggest fundraising months. And people love tutus. They'll put these tutus on. They'll send us pictures. Hashtag Dare to Tutu. And we pull these off and we put them on our website and we create this whole social media campaign. And it's great. I can't understand why a pink tutu does this, but I'm glad that it does. And I'm glad that through Bob's imagery, it helps people as well as them donning a tutu and sending us the image. It seems also that there's this association of the tutu with movement, with the force of life, with dance, and with the possibilities that may be available. Because it, it brings to mind in the way that you responded to the situation and also the response that you received from people who said that they felt so uplifted. It's almost like this image of an elevator. You step into this elevator and rather than going to the down floors, which you acknowledged feelings of isolation was extraordinarily difficult emotionally for both you and Bob, but you decided to ride the elevator up and see where it took you and created this elevated platform through which other people could see your journey and how you responded and it lifted them up as well. Yes, I think that's a really great um, synopsis of what happened. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking about this. It's just crazy how it grew and how, once again, I go back to Bob and I really didn't know what we were doing, but we always seem to find the answers. And I think that's important. I mean, it goes with our photography business as well. He knew photography because he had been assisting photographers and that's what he studied in college. But it's having a plan and knowing that different things are going to come up that you're going to have to keep changing that plan. And that's what happened with the Tutu Project. There was always something different coming up. All the media requests, I mean, there would be days that that's all I would do is email answers to people. And it's throughout the world, which was so beautiful. And it was crazy too, because here I am in my office, it's a small room. And we had moved from Brooklyn to Saddle River, New Jersey. I can see deer in my yard, it's such a totally different environment than Brooklyn. Yet I'm talking to people in Japan, in Germany, in Spain. It was so crazy that my world looked small, but it was huge just through the computer. I have had so many great conversations. And one thing that I find remarkable is how people in other countries will donate to us. We're United States charity. We're not able to go into other countries and give money, but it doesn't matter to them. They see that we're doing this good for other people and they donate money. I had a woman a couple of weeks ago from Kuwait. Apparently there, there is no talk about cancer. And so she was using our images on her Facebook page to start a conversation. And I don't know whether it's taboo in Kuwait it's just not done. That was my understanding of it. And she donated to us. I mean, I just thought that was beautiful. It seems like you tapped into that space of the universal human experience in the sense that it's really a global conversation that you're having. Absolutely. And I think what has happened is we, we help other people have that conversation. I like to think that Bob in a pink tutu helped other men talk about breast cancer as being a caregiver. I hope that's what it is. I hope the conversation grew. For example, we were interviewed by this production company in Japan. 
I found her questions really interesting, particularly when I got in front of the camera. And she asked me if I was depressed and if I was able to go out of the house once I was diagnosed. And I didn't understand what she meant. And she said, well, I just couldn't do that. And that's not what we do. I would just be hiding in my house and just be so depressed. And I was like, well, that is one way that you can live with it. But I chose, and you can as well, or you can speak out about it. They're different cultures, basically, and their beliefs and how they approach things. But they took our story, put it in Japan, the conversation started. I got great emails. Once the show aired, I don't remember exactly how many books we sold. But at that point, I was fulfilling the orders. So it felt like thousands. <laughs> because the day after it aired, the orders were just coming through and coming through, and which was great problem to have. And one thing I didn't mention is we only printed 5,000 books. And within three years, we were sold out, which was pretty incredible since we self-published. And we didn't have a distributor. I was that distributor. But you know what? It's all about growing a business. And what do you want to do? How bad do you want a business to work? We wanted it really bad. I was willing, and it wasn't just me. I had volunteers to help me to put in that sweat equity. I was okay with that because I really believed in this project. Bob really believed in it. And we knew that there was a space for us to be. So it's evolved. It's, this is our fifth year. We're proud to say that we're, it's our anniversary. And it continues to evolve. Like I mentioned, it's no longer about Bob and I. It's about this community and getting others involved and embracing what the tutu might mean in their life. If it helps someone smile, and I don't want to have this whole, like, pink is the best, pink is wonderful, and pink can cure the world, because I don't have that opinion of pink and breast cancer at all. But I do believe his images in the tutus can just bring levity into someone's life. And as I mentioned, the pink and breast cancer, there's a lot of pink washing out there. And what I mean by pink washing is there's corporations that use the ribbon to it's emotional sell. They'll say, well, we're going to donate a percent. A lot of them aren't specific. We're going to donate a percent to breast cancer. And they're not saying whether it's research or where are those dollars being spent. Early on, we were on an interview, I think it was Huffington Post, and there were five women that were really against the idea of pink. And I didn't realize it until halfway into this interview. It's like, oh my gosh, they brought us into this interview, not just to describe the good that we're doing, but to talk about pink and how bad pink is. And it's like, wow, this is something I really need to think about. So we did. Pink is just a color that happened to be that Bob chose for that tutu. I think it's good. I think there are abuses of the color pink. I don't know if it's an organization, but it's on Twitter. It's, so this is not pink. And so more and more women are really looking at this phenomenon. I don't know, I guess they're just stealing the pink ribbon from women and men. Sounds like a very existential experience because you're talking about not being tied to a color, but more so that this is just what naturally emerged. You stepped into the process of creation and it became larger than the creators. And that's what people are responding to. People are responding to the authenticity that's represented that came from a place of soul and heart from both of you, because it was also a, a deep place of emotion that you were experiencing. It was your own journey and you were sharing that with other people. Exactly. And so I'm very aware of pink washing, especially like when I first had cancer, pink meant hope to me. 
And I was one of those women that had the pink ribbon on because to me, it felt like if I had to have breast cancer and I did join this, if you want to say club, it was not by choice, but I had women that were supporting me just by seeing that ribbon. Like if I had it on my coat, a conversation would start and I got support from that. I really believe that some women need that color pink and that is cool. The thing that changed when I was diagnosed with metastatic disease is I don't know want to say sour because I never asked myself, why me? It just wasn't my nature. I asked how me. It's like, wow, how did this happen genetically? Or it's just so weird to think you're walking down the street one day, you have your challenges and all of a sudden you have a really big challenge. Someone told you that you had cancer. I do have bad days. I will never tell people I don't. There's so much out there about breast cancer and it's okay, just be strong, be brave, be happy, put on a smile. You can do this. You can fight. Yeah, you can. But you know what? There's a whole nother side of it that's just not as pretty. I'd love to invite a reflection from you on that, Linda. You were describing how when you first got your treatments, Bob was working in Arizona a lot. And so you did a number of treatments on your own. You didn't have that many resources in terms of people when you were here, first coming from Arizona to New York City. Oftentimes in our lives, when we're going through really hard times, we, we do feel that experience of being alone in many ways. So are there any thoughts that you might want to share about that? Well, I think that it, that does kind of connect with what I was saying about the pink ribbon and, and how it opened conversations with other women that had that pink ribbon on. As far as support, is that what you're asking? Like, what did I do for support and what could other people do for support? What I'm noticing is that when the support through people wasn't intact as much, right? Later right, on, right. it was in, maybe intact more so because you got such an affirmative response from people all over the world. But when you were in that period, like so many of us are as entrepreneurs, as individuals, whatever it is that you're trying to build, whatever it is that you're going through, you had the symbol of the pink tutu. So there's something that was aside from the people around you that helped you to reach and keep going and move forward. As silly as it seems, it really did. And when this project started, it was even more of a focus for me because I don't wake up in the morning and say, oh man, I have cancer. I wake up in the morning a lot and say, oh wow, I have a lot to do today. And that pink tutu really has filled the space for me. As I mentioned earlier about that, it's filling me with a goal to keep going, just myself. I don't mean what we're doing with other people. I just mean how it helps me live with breast cancer and not have it be the focal point of my life, which ironically it still is because I'm talking about breast cancer every day, but just not mine all the time. And I don't get into that headspace of why me? Right. So here we are 15 years after that first diagnosis, and you continue to really be focused on a life-affirming purpose. And I think that's a wonderful message that you share with so many. Well, thank you. I remember coming home from a support group. I was walking to the subway with this woman, and we were talking about how we get asked a lot at that point, like, well, now that you have cancer, what are you going to do with your life? And that used to offend me. It's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to live my life. Whatever that means, I'm going to live my life. But it also put something in the back of my head. It's like, well, what if there was something else that I could do? I want to open myself up to that possibility that perhaps there's a way that I can serve this community. And in walk this pink tutu. I mean, it was many years later, but 
I found the support for living with metastatic disease with this tutu and with this project. I feel really fortunate. It wasn't planned. We never would have thought that just putting it out there, we would have been able to start a nonprofit and be able to help other people. I'm in awe sometimes. And you've also offered an excellent example of being an entrepreneur, you working with Bob as a producer in his commercial photography business and having personal experiences that then led you into philanthropy, led you into converting this personal mission, using also your business as a base, since the photography was so much a part of the message that you were offering to other people and how you were able to create a business model in a way that just happened very naturally. I want to congratulate you for that and also to thank you for offering such a strong example to so many people of how they can find a way, both personally as as a couple and in business, when profoundly difficult circumstances emerge. Well, thank you. I think Bob and I are just both the type of people that we try to make the best out of what we have. And the Tutu Project is a perfect example of that. Each day we change it a little bit more, but it's still very exciting to be working on this. Linda, what are the different ways that listeners can engage with the Cary Foundation, also the Tutu Project? Well, direct donations can be made to the Cary Foundation through our website, thetutuproject.com. Schools, teams, and local businesses can get involved. For example, we have a yoga studio in Jersey City that for the last three years, They've had one of their classes and they all wear tutus and they raise money for us. Actually, what was really good to use this as an example of a local business in Truckee, California, the auto and tire doctor, not only did they get their mechanic, actually it was a mechanic that saw this project three years ago and said, hey, I want to get involved in this. So this the woman, oh, Jody, she's just a wonderful, wonderful woman. She worked each year, but this year she got the entire community involved. She had police officers in tutus. She had sports teams in tutus. I mean, it was so amazing. I just wanted to cry. She sent a video and it's like, this is incredible. So that's what we want to build. We can help with ideas. Tutus are a lot of fun. It seems like people love wearing them. And then we're always looking for corporate sponsorships. If a company is willing to put the time and money into a cause, I can see how employees can get behind that. JetLinks is a great example. They're a corporate sponsor of ours for three years. They get their employees involved. They match money raised, and they have 14 locations across the U.S. They send these great tutu pictures that we, in turn, put out into our community that really, I like to think that they make a difference in someone's life because they're fun. So there's ways to work with corporations, and that is goodwill also for their company. It makes their employees feel good. A couple of weeks ago, I called all the different locations of JetLinks because I wanted to thank them. Their dedication to help us raise money was amazing. And these people, they were so caring and so good. That's another exciting piece of is just meeting some very warm-hearted individuals. So those are examples of how people can get involved. What I'd like to do is just invite listeners to go to the tutuproject.com to reach out and explore what are the ways that would be meaningful for you to be a part of it. If you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, I welcome you to share them by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. 
You can also share comments and questions by following me on Twitter at Hemdemizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Life and Career Choices. And I want to thank you again, Linda, so much for this time that we've had together. Oh, thank you so much. I just really enjoyed our conversation. And I appreciate you creating the space for me to share this story. Absolutely. And as a reminder to listeners, as always, until next time, along the lines of this inspirational message that Linda offers, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hamda Mizrahi, inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Turn the Page. Turn the Page is sponsored in part by Life and Career Choices, Inc. Host Hemda Mizrahi invites you to email her at hosthemda at gmail.com to explore becoming a sponsor or affiliate of the show. Until next time, make one change that will benefit your life and your business.